Well, good morning, church. Thank you so much for clicking in and tuning in and joining us, albeit virtually this week, but we are together in the spirit. And so we welcome you. Thank you for tuning in from wherever you are, the comfort of your living room, maybe your PJs, or anywhere else in the world that maybe you happen to be watching from. Uh, thanks. And uh, this morning, we are looking at a passage from Acts, a pretty famous passage, Acts 1.8. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. We're going to be camping on that passage most of the morning. Um, but we finished a series just a few weeks ago talking about Jesus, our sanctifier, our savior, sanctifier, healer, and coming king. And we ended that series with Jesus as our coming king, looking at when he's coming back. Because this is the reality, friends, is that Jesus is coming back. Oh man, I am looking forward to that day. Um, I pray for that day to come quickly and just, man, it's going to be an awesome day uh, when Jesus comes back for us. And when he left the first time, I guess the only time that he has left, um, he gave us instructions. He told us that he had a job for us to do. Um, and, and it was something very important, and it is something very important. Everyone who follows him, who believes in him, is to be his witness. In Acts 1.8 it says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the farthest parts of the earth. We are to be his witnesses. So what does it mean to be a witness, really? Well, if you see something, you're a witness to what you saw. So if you see a crime in progress or happen, you are a witness to that crime, and they might get you to come into court to testify to what you saw. Um, now, I was a witness to my little brother getting beamed in the head with a basketball as a kid, um, like eight, nine years younger than me. I remember... Uh, watching him in our backyard, skipping along the edge of our basketball court. Yes, he was skipping. He was in grade four. He was skipping along like the happiest that he could possibly be. And the basketball that had come off the rim from a very long, way deep three, bouncing and bouncing. And you can see he's skipping and skipping and the ball's bouncing and bouncing. And I'm like, these two are going to connect. And they did. As he was mid-up skip, the ball just beamed him in the head and knocked him over. I was a witness to that. My other brother, who I was playing basketball with, was a witness to that as well. My youngest brother, a um, little upset and hurt, goes running into the house to my mom and my sister, who were also witnesses to that because they were watching through the window at seeing what had happened. Now, um, as believers, we're not witnesses specifically to an event or a crime um, in that sense, but we are witnesses to a person, namely the person of Jesus Christ. So most witnesses tell about something that happened or something that was. Now, as believers, we are witnesses to something that was and is and is to come. Now, here's the thing. You can be a good witness or you could also be a bad witness. The Bible talks about false witnesses quite often. And at this point, I need, I need to think about in my own life, am I being a good witness for Jesus or am I being a bad witness for Jesus? 
So being a witness, typically that involves seeing something and then speaking about it, telling others about what that is. So what do we tell others? What is our witness? What do we tell others about Jesus Christ? Luke 24, 46 and 47 is this. Thus it stands written that Jesus Christ would suffer, rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. This is Luke's account in the book of Luke. Now, Luke also wrote the book of Acts. So Luke 24 and Acts 1 cover the same thing. And it's the same guy that wrote both of them. So it's pretty cool. I would encourage you to go and compare those two accounts. And he just says the same thing in just a little bit different ways. But it stands. This is what he is saying. We are witnesses of these things, that we proclaim these things, that Jesus Christ would suffer, rise from the dead on the third day, And because of that, repentance and forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name. So as witnesses, that is what we testify. That is what we proclaim. Christ's suffering, his death and resurrection, and that repentance and forgiveness are found in him and him alone. And so we testify to these truths. That is what it means to be a witness for Christ. And I think it is so beautiful that we are going to take communion this morning. And so I would invite you, if you have not got your communion elements ready uh, at this point, go ahead, pause this video, go and get them ready, um, and then join with us. This is exactly what we are doing when we take communion. We are testifying to what Jesus Christ has done. We are being his witnesses. It says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Or you testify to the Lord's death until he comes, until he returns. So we proclaim, we witness to the truth that Jesus died and was raised again on the third day. And that forgiveness can be found in him and him alone. So when we partake of communion, that's what we're going to do this morning in a moment. We testify to that truth. We are witnesses to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So I would invite you that you would proclaim this with me. Let us testify together. It was um, at the Last Supper with the disciples that Jesus, he took took the bread and he broke it in front of them, gave it to them. And he said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. And in the same way, it was after supper that he took the cup. And he told them, this is the covenant, the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together.
Father, we thank you for your death and your resurrection. We thank you for the sacrifice you made on our behalf. Lord, we pray that we will be witnesses of what you have done and the glorious truth that forgiveness and repentance can be found in your name. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Acts 1.8 again. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the farthest parts of the earth. For the next few weeks, we want to look at what that means to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the farthest parts of the earth. Now, if you think about it, when Jesus told this to the disciples, they were just outside Jerusalem. They were on the Mount of Olives when he ascended into heaven. And so if you look at where we are compared to where Jerusalem is, we are the farthest parts of the earth. Especially, you know, people say Grand Prairie being way up north. Because there was Jerusalem, which was in Judea, and then above Judea was Samaria. Above that was Galilee. Um, so we have the gospel going this is for the disciples when Jesus was telling them. It started in Jerusalem, where they were currently. And then it would spread out to Judea, which was the next place. And then it would go into Samaria. And then from there to the ends of the earth, the farthest parts of the earth. So it's interesting that when you look at a map of where we are compared to where this started, we are at the farthest parts of the earth. So we, we praise God that his gospel made it here so that you and I could know the truth of Jesus Christ. So then I guess it begs the question, all right, the gospel is at the farthest parts of the earth. Does that mean our job is done? <laughs> no, not by a long shot. It says this in Daniel 7:14. Now to him who was given ruling authority, honor, and sovereignty, all peoples, nations, languages, and groups were serving him. His authority is eternal, will not pass away. And in Revelation 5, 9 to 10, they were singing a new song to the king. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seal because you were killed. And at the cost of your own blood, you have purchased for God people from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And you have appointed them as a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign did you notice what it said there? Every tribe, nation, language, and people group. No one on the entire um, earth is excluded from this command. This is for everyone. And now uh, there's estimates kind of in, in a range of how many um, unreached people groups there are in the world and the estimates range from a few hundred up to you know two three thousand groups that are the least reached or unreached um, we know for sure that there's at least 111 groups of people that have absolutely no um, gospel witness with them there is still work to be done we still have a job to do so let's do it. Now I find it interesting though that Jesus says to them, it will start here in Jerusalem and then Judea, then Samaria, then to the farthest parts of the earth. 
That's kind of where he said it starts, in Jerusalem, where they were. Now, before we get into kind of step one, which I would say would be Jerusalem, we need to go back a step. So we're step zero, whatever, however you figure it out in your head. We need, we have to have the Spirit's power before we go out. This is what Jesus told him when he was leaving. He's like, don't do anything yet. Wait. Wait. He said this, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the Spirit, which I will send you. I love what John Stott says about this. He said, before Christ sent the church into the world, he sent his Spirit into the church. So it's not about throwing more money at the problem or resources or people. He didn't say wait until the right people come. He didn't say wait until you have enough money to go. He said wait for the Spirit to give you power. Without the Spirit's power, we can do nothing. That's what he says in John 15. If, if uh, you remain in me and I in you, which is the Holy Spirit, then you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. We have to have the Spirit's leading and power in our lives to accomplish this, this job, this task that God has given us to complete. You see, he said, I will give you the Spirit, this, the, the power of the Spirit to do this, to complete the job. And the job's not done. So we still need the Spirit's power. That's kind of like pre-step one. Wait for the Spirit and his leading. Then, he gave them the trajectory of what this is going to look like. It's going to start in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the farthest parts of the earth. It's kind of like, kind of like a stone thrown into a lake. You see this ripple effect that spread out. This is what was going to happen. He's going to throw a stone and it was going to go. So the first stop for the disciples was Jerusalem, the place where they were currently at the moment. It was right there with the people beside them, their neighbors, if you will. And I love the guy who, who came to Jesus. This is an expert in the religious law in, in Luke chapter 10. Um, it actually says that he was a lawyer. He was an expert in the law. And so he stood up and he tried to test Jesus. He said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus told him, you know, what is written? How do you read it? You know, ask the question back. And this expert lawyer responded, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. But the expert, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? I love that question. Who is my neighbor? I think it's a great question. Whether that lawyer asked it with impure motives or not, I think it's a good question. And then Jesus goes on to tell the story, one of the most famous parables in, in the whole Bible. And it goes like this. There was a pickle or a cucumber that was walking from one place to the next, and he got beat up by some asparagus. <laughs> well, that's the VeggieTale version of it anyways. But it's the story of the Good Samaritan, where a guy was rocking along the road and he got beat up and robbed. 
and a priest and a Levite and all these like great holy people walked by and they saw him and they passed over to the other side. But then a Samaritan, who the Jews hated and the Samaritans didn't like the Jews either, walks by and he sees him and he helps him. He even goes above and beyond, leaving extra money for the hotel to take care of him even longer. And so Jesus asks, as he tells this story, he's like, who was the neighbor to this man? Well, it was the one who helped him, the one who showed him love. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. When it comes to us being witnesses, we start with the people who are around us, our neighbors. And that means whoever is in our sphere at any point, could be your coworkers, could be the people driving down the street, could be the other kids in your classroom, or it could be other people online. It could be anybody that you come in contact with. That is your neighbor. And that is the second greatest commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. I find it interesting that when you look at Jesus' ministry and you look at his life, most of his interactions and miracles and dealings with people were just people that he ran into. As he was going along, this person came up to him or this person came across his path and that's who Jesus showed his love to. And that is who we are called to be a witness to. To tell them about Jesus what he has done for us and what he offers to them. Forgiveness of sins. It's pretty huge. So we need to start right here, where we are. Wherever it is that you find yourself at this point is where you start. And there's nobody excluded. There's no person that you come into into contact with in your life that you're like, no, the gospel isn't for that person. No, it is for everyone. All people, tribes, nations, languages, tongues. All of them. We are witnesses to them. So we've got to start here now. Start here in Grand Prairie. Grand Prairie needs Jesus. Is that not true? Jesus is the only hope that any one of us have. So start here. Whoever comes across your path, Listen for the Spirit's leading and witness, testify, proclaim the truth about Jesus Christ. Let's do it together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us your Spirit that enables us to do this job that you've asked us to do, that you have commanded us to do. God, I pray that we would walk in the power and the leading of the Spirit in our lives to be a good witness to your name. In this dark and broken world, God, may we be the bringers of the light, the light of your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray that as a church, we will be that light, that witness shining bright in this world. And it starts here. Wherever we are, God, give us the courage and the strength to follow you. And all praise and glory and honor to your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to thank you so much for tuning in with us today. And uh, I want to end with Ephesians 
Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask or think, to him be glory in the church forever. Amen. God bless.